0: at calvary there my savior died he took my place and by his grace came with me to abide all i need for living is mine by just believing life begins at calvary life that never
1: ends
2: romans chapter 12 starting at verse 4 or verse 3 if you want to as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ; every one members of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us by the prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering Or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth. On exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And these are gifts in the church for the edification of the body and for the ministry of the Word of God to our generation.
1: Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
0: Our study of the ministry of the Holy Spirit continues as we hear more of the gifts of the Spirit Our study takes us into Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, and Acts chapter 2. Dr. Mitchell will finish out the scriptural teaching on the purpose of tongues, as he makes note of the fact that the very first and last scriptures dealing with tongues is found in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, and is found the last time in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21. Now tongues was a sign to unbelievers especially unbelieving Jews. Our heart's goal and purpose is to present the Scriptures, speaking the truth in love for the believers' growth in our Lord Jesus Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Dr. Mitchell, Teaching the Word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, edifies the Church on The Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast.
2: Thank you. Again, we come to you in our studies of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer. We've been spending quite a few programs in seeking to relate to you what the Bible says concerning the ministry of the Spirit of God in every true child of God. We have been declaring that the moment a person really comes into right relationship with the Savior, he is born of the Spirit and indwelt by the Spirit, sealed by the Spirit, and baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. This is a fourfold act of God concerning every believer. And then we spoke of the fact that we have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to be filled with the Spirit of God. And in our last lesson or two, we were discussing this question of the gifts of the Spirit we were dealing about the various signs and miracles which we found in the New Testament, Uh, the credentials of our Lord as the Messiah, as found in Matthew, his credentials in in the gospel through John as the Son of God, and then the credentials of the apostles, as you find it in Hebrews chapter 2 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans 15 and other portions of Scripture. And remember that Jews require a sign. And we were speaking to you from the fact that in Isaiah chapter 28, and then in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, we have where the Spirit of God for the first time came upon different groups. And in Isaiah 28, it was a sign to the unbelieving Israel of the presence of God. God says, I will speak to you in the languages of other nations. Instead of Israel revealing the truth of God to the Gentiles, He was going to use the Gentiles to reveal the truth of God to the Jews. A complete reversal. And, my friend, this is what exactly took place. In Acts chapter 2, you have God speaking to Israel. On the day of pentecost you have peter the apostle opening the door to the gentiles in chapter 10 when they spoke with tongues and glorified god and then he uh, the apostle paul manifested his apostolic authority down at ephesus uh, when he led certain men in the synagogue to the savior laid hands upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied then it's not again mentioned at all until we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To me, it's a rather an amazing thing that, of all the epistles that were written by Paul, by John, by Peter, the only place where tongues is mentioned is in Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't spend the time uh, saying much about it if it were not for the fact that today there are so many people who are seeking an experience of speaking in tongues. And I say very bluntly, you find no exhortation in the Bible concerning it. On the day of Pentecost, they were waiting to receive the Spirit of God. They were told to wait for the promise of the Father. It is true that they spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 2 and in chapter 10 with the Gentiles and were the Jews of the diaspora in chapter 19. However, in the book of Acts, chapter 8, they did not speak in tongues. Now you say to me, well, Mr. Mitchell, something must have taken place. Then why didn't the Spirit of God mention it? Except for the fact there were no unbelieving Jews present, whereas in, in all other three cases, you do have Jews present who did not believe. That is, for example, down at the house of Cornelius, they did not believe, these Jewish men did not believe that the gospel and and the blessed spirit of God was for Gentiles. And after 70 A.D., when the Jewish people were scattered over the face of the earth and the Bible was completed, the revelation of God completed, it was the end of the age of signs. Now, this is true all through your Bible. For example, when when God brought Israel out of Egypt, and the people of God were given a new revelation of God, and then they were put under a legal covenant, you've got miracles and signs. When Israel went into idolatry, God confirmed the, the, the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. when the nation was in apostasy with signs and wonders. But not again. The other prophets didn't do it until you come to the ministry of our Savior, the changing of a covenant from law to grace. What have we got? Signs and power, both in our Lord and in the disciples, in the early church. Now, when you come to Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, there is given to us three amazing passages concerning the gifts of the Spirit and concerning the place that the Christian has in the body of Christ. Now remember, none of the other books, the other epistles just mentioned. And remember also, he's writing to a carnal church, not a spiritual church. The reason I'm pressing that is because today there are those who speak in tongues and they love the Lord. I'm not questioning that but they seem, when they have spoken in tongues, they have reached the, the height of spirituality. And again I say to you, my Christian friends, that the gifts of the Spirit are no sign of spirituality. The fruit of the Spirit, I would say, is more likely to be the evidence of a Spirit-filled life, as you find it in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. And I'm I'm, re- I'm reminding you of this, that in the Corinthian church, Paul said four times in four verses in chapter 3, are you not carnal? Yet they had all the gifts. You find that in the first chapter. They had good preaching. They were waiting for the coming of the Lord. They were full of knowledge. They had all the gifts. Yet he said, you're carnal. I can't even speak unto you as unto spiritual. And when Paul wrote these passages, 12, 13 and 14 of First Corinthians, he was writing to correct the misuse of the gifts of the spirit in the church. Can I repeat that? He was writing not to instruct them primarily on the use of the gifts, but rather he was writing to correct the misuse, especially, of the gift of tongues. Now, you notice in chapter 12, and I'm repeating some things here, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, we read in verse 11 that all these gifts are from the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. In verse 18, But now hath God set the members, everyone in the body, as it hath pleased him. In verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And verse 28 and 9 says, And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps governments, diversity of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, cover to earnestly the best gifts, but I show you a more excellent way. than he gives us in chapter 13 how to govern the gifts by love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and haven't love, I'm just nothing else for an empty, tin can. And though I have the gift of prophecy, though I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. And it's this want of love among God's people that causes one to wonder, where is the fruit of the Spirit? For the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, you'll notice that among all the gifts, possibly the least of the gifts, is the question of tongues. And by the way, if I might be a little technical here in the 12th chapter, that word unknown is not in there, especially in chapter 14 when he speaks about the fact that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, or as it just says in the, in the revised version, he that speaketh in a tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth buildeth up the church. In other words, all gifts are for edification. The only gift that I know of in the, in the passage that is for self-edification is tongues. And remember, tongues, says Paul in chapter 14, was a sign to the unbelieving Jew of the presence of God and yet a sign of madness to the unbelieving Gentile. If you're going to seek gifts, why don't you seek the good ones? Listen to it. To one is given, I'm reading verse 8, to one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. I would say that would be the teacher's gift. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. I say gift of faith. Every believer has faith, that is faith to be saved, that Jesus Christ becomes the object of their faith. But there is such a thing as the gift of faith. And remember, God the Spirit gives it to it as he sees fit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds or many kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he, as he will. Now, I know that uh, one could say a lot about this, but may I just suggest in this connection that in a public assembly, tongues is not to be used unless there is one there with a the gift of interpretation. And if I might just say a word here, I was asked one time what I would do, and I'm going to be blunt and tell you this, What I would do if someone were to get up in my church and speak in tongues, I said, well, I would tell them. We do not have anyone that I know of with the gift of interpretation that they were not allowed to speak. But supposing someone was there with the gift of interpretation, then I would take my Bible to see if they were telling the truth. I have heard tongues and interpretation a number of times. I have yet to find one to give us a real spiritual interpretation. Furthermore, the interpretation must be according to the Word of God. I am told to discern all things and to judge everything by the Word of God. And I find that the Word of God is far clearer in the revelation of the purpose of God than any tongues or interpretation. I see this kindly. I know that people are hungry for things that are real, hungry for the things of God. So am I. But I want to test everything by the Word of God. And my friend, the complete revelation of God, the purpose of God for the church is already given to us. The purpose of God for Israel is already written for us. The purpose of God for the nations. Right through to the new heavens and the new earth is already written down. We don't need tongues or interpretation. The thing for us to do is to get down into the Bible. Find out what does God say. And if you love the Saviour, the Spirit of God is indwelling you for what purpose? To reveal to you the purpose and plan of God for your life, for the church, for Israel and for the nations. But the trouble is, we don't get on to our Bibles. And oftentimes when we do read our Bibles, we try to make the Bibles fit our experience. As one missionary said to me over in Japan, he said, Mr. Mitchell, you've come too late. That's what do you mean? He said, I don't care what you say, I've already had the experience. I said, are you afraid to come to the Bible, to the Word of God? He said, you've come too late. I said, no, my friend, if I'm, if I'm afraid to face the Word of God on any experience, am I willing to throw my experience overboard if it doesn't measure up to the complete revelation of God in His Word? What I'm pleading for here is, experiences come and go, but the Word of God abideth forever. And I would question very much tongues and interpretation. In fact, I wouldn't believe it if it did not be in full accord with the revealed Word of God. For this is what God has given to us. This is the sword of the Spirit. And may the Lord grant to you and to me a consuming hunger to know the Word of God, to be in the Word of God, and to feed upon it. And I'm exhorting you today on this question. Instead of uh, hunting and spending hours trying to get an experience, go to the Word of God. You see, but I don't understand it. That's because you don't read it enough. The more you read, the more you understand. And we say very kindly too, friend. Be careful of anything where they inform you you must put your will to one side and to be absolutely yielded to the place where, I'm trying to think of the word that I want, passive. They want you to be passive. And when you are passive, you can be open to all kinds of experiences which will not be of God. I question very much if God wants us to have any experience apart From the ability God has given to us with our wills and with our minds and with our hearts. Just like with the gospel. When the gospel came to you, your mind was involved. With your mind you saw the truth. Your will was involved. You had to do something about the one of whom the truth spoke. And then your emotions became involved. You began to experience the truth as it was in Christ. But you have all three. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if I leave myself out to be passive, seeking something, you can be sure of one thing, I'll get something. It'll not be spiritual. This is why I strongly urge you to stay in the Word of God. Have an open heart before God with your wills, with your love, with your mind, with all that you are. Let the Lord move into your life and you'll have all the experiences you can take care of. But make sure it's in accord with the Word of God. May I again remind you that the Scripture is a complete and gift to us the revealed will of God, so we ought to study it. And again, may I say, the evidence of a Spirit-filled life are not the gifts. The evidence of a Spirit-filled life is the fruit of the Spirit as found in Galatians 5:22 and 23. In fact, if I were to follow that through, I would suggest you go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. And if you want to find what the gifts are that the apostle Paul spoke to the church after he had written to Corinth, rather a strange thing when he writes to the churches after Corinth, he doesn't mention some of these gifts, some of these, what I would call, sign gifts. May I read this? As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. Every one members of another, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth, on teaching, he that exhorteth, on exhortation he that giveth let him do it with simplicity he that ruleth with diligence he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness and these are gifts in the church for the edification of the body and for the ministry of the word of god to our generation Uh, i would urge you to read romans chapter 12 starting at verse 4 or verse 3 if you want to and read right on down through verse 8 and then following eight, right on down through to verse, verse 18, and you'll find how we as believers ought to live. And I suggest you measure up your life. If you claim to be spiritual, my friend, you'll experience some of those things. And may the Lord make these things precious to your own heart. For his name's
0: sake. The tree will always give one